everybody. Welcome in Mavs Moneyball Radio, Episode 4. I'm your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein. Finally, after weeks, finally get in a special guest. My special guest is a very special one. One of my colleagues at Mavs Moneyball, Josh Bo. Josh, what's up, man? Hey, thanks for having me on. This yeah. is great. We're merging the two shows together. Finally. For one special episode. Finally. Uh, I, you know, I've been sick. I'm, we- I'm weathering some allergies right now, but uh, finally got together, and here we are. Yeah, it's that time of year. I'm, I'm battling that kind of stuff, too. But this is good. It's good. It's good. Uh, we are about a week removed from Dirk's last game as a Dallas Maverick. Has it sunk in for you yet? Because I'm not sure it, if it has for me. Yeah, I'm still in the, what are the five stages of grief? I'm, <laughs> I think, are we past? I think we're past denial. I'm not sure if I'm at acceptance yet. No, I'm not at acceptance yet either. And uh, yeah, I feel like that's just what we have to talk about, even if it happened a week ago, but it's still kind of on all of our minds right now. And we were both at the game, the last home game last yeah. week. And I just feel like that experience contrasted with then the next game, the very next day against the Spurs. It was so crazy to be in the building for the emotion and the jubilation and the energy and the fanfare and everything that went with Dirk, the celebration for Dirk after the game. And then after that, you have then just, oh, wait, we're just playing one more game that's just basically a regular road game against the Spurs. And it was just such an interesting contrast between the two. And I was so drained after going to that last home game. I basically you know, got my quotes, wrote my story. I think I turned it in at about like 2 a.m. <laughs> Rebecca edited it and scheduled it at about by about 2.30. I'm still jacked up and it's like, I can't go to bed till 3.30 and I wake up on like, no, no sleep. I was like, oh, there's there's one more game? How was that not the last game? Yeah. There's got to be one more. The, the NBA schedule makers did not do him any favors. Um, as I was telling you before the show, I hardly watched the San Antonio game. Uh, I saw the pregame intro, but I mean, I was so drained from the night before emotionally that I I didn't think I could do it. And I just ended up watching the stars playoff game instead. Yeah. There was a part of me that was like, I should just go to bed. But then another part of me that was like, no, Josh, this is the last game Dirk's ever going to play. So you need to watch it or you're going to hate yourself for a very long time. So I just kind of bucked up and did it. But uh, it, it's crazy. Like, like you said, I'm still not at acceptance yet, but it, really didn't hit me hard until that home game because really all season, you know, which has been pretty obvious, you know, Dirk hasn't really been talking about it in like concrete terms. Like he's just been very vague. And I think we all knew it was happening, but just the way he was being vague about it, there was always an inkling, like maybe there's like a 5% chance that this is not that door it. was still open. Right. And then by the time I wrote this in my story, but by the time they played the video uh, in the first half, the Brad Townsend piece with Dirk, we knew. Shows, yeah, that you, when he when he cried, yes, and about made everybody else cry, yeah, yeah, that was that was it for me. And then of course he confirmed it after that. But man, I I don't know about you. I guess you can. I, I kind of want to ask you your thoughts about it first. You know, what were you feeling and what were your thoughts being in the building for that night, dude? Uh, it was about as I expected. I knew I was going to be an emotional wreck, and I definitely was. Uh, as soon as Sean Heath announced his name, uh, little little cry went there, mm-hmm. and then um, yeah, just watching him, what and watching him just like be efficient, and actually have like a good game. Unlike Kobe, who went like sixty on fifty shots or whatever it was, uh, Dirk actually had a pretty decent game, so that was really fun to watch. And then uh, just the whole atmosphere, the crowd just was like they were up on their they were up on their feet every time Dirk had the ball, and it was I mean I don't think that building has been that loud since twenty eleven. And it was just, it was super awesome to see. And then the whole, uh, the whole post game as, cause, so I had got, got to the arena at about 3 PM 
and they played the video that they played post game. They played that video like on a sound check. So I got to see it early. Oh, and that so I was super emotional before with <laughs> nobody there, like in the crowd. But when they when they started playing that um playing that video, uh the tears started flowing and then when they played my dad's championship call, it was like a full blown cry at that oh, point. Man, I, I'm not even like connecting that. Like that that's just like on a whole nother yeah, level that I can't it even was, relate to. It was a full blown cry at that point. I was right next to my dad. I gave him a big hug and it, I mean it was it was super emotional. I don't think there'll be I I can almost guarantee there will never be an athlete that will bring those kind of emotions out in me again. Like I said this on Twitter, like after the game, I think if Luca and KP won like five championships, I don't think any of those five combined would mean as much as Dirk's championship did. Right. And it's just crazy because I'm 30 years old and uh, I assume you are 23. Okay. It's a little bit off, but you know, same, same like era. And that's all we know. Yeah, you know, 20, absolutely. 21, uh, 21 of the 30 years I've been alive, Dirk Nowitzki has played basketball for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, my my first game, I believe, was in the American Airlines Center, was game seven of Mavs Portland. Mm-hmm. In like 2001, I guess that was? Uh, oh, 2003. Three. Or, okay, maybe that wasn't my first game, uh, but uh, I remember that. That's the first one I remember. And um, yeah, all I know is Dirk. And so not him, him not being on the team next year will be super weird. Yeah, and uh, like you... It's funny you bring that up. I was actually, yeah, in the building for the 2003 playoffs and 04 and 05 because my dad had season tickets okay. back then. And I was thinking about that night, and you kind of talked about how it hasn't been that loud since 2011. And I was thinking in my head, this is the loudest it's ever been since I can remember going to those playoff wow. games back in 03. And I think that kind of reinforces what you talked about, the uniqueness of Dirk and his connection to the city. And I've been trying to, like, put my finger on why – like, why is it so deep for Dirk when you consider the Cowboys are obviously the the biggest team here and ha- kind of have the most storied history? And, you know, the Rangers maybe don't have the same history as the Mavs do, but baseball obviously has a much bigger prominent, it's more prominent in Texas. And I was like, what? so why is it Dirk? And I think it's just like we said, you know, he's been here 21 of the 30 years I've been alive. You know, everyone that's a Mavs fan has basically experienced Dirk for most of their lives. He grew up with a generation of Mavs fans. Right. I mean, he did. He grew up with us. It seemed like while we were on the struggle, Dirk was on the struggle. And then when he got over the hump in 2011, we got over the hump. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, that's a really good point. I wrote, I tried to articulate that in my piece uh, that I wrote last week. Like, Dirk was there for every, like, big moment in our, in our lives. Absolutely. He was there when I graduated high school. He was there when I first started playing basketball. He was there when... I was considering not playing basketball anymore because I wasn't sure if I liked it or if I was just playing it because I was a foot taller than all my classmates <laughs> at the time. And then, you know, he was there when I went away to college, when I moved away from Dallas for the first time in my life and I was homesick. And he was there when I graduated college. He was there when I got engaged. And it's just like this weird, like, obviously I don't personally know Dirk and yet I still feel like he's an important person in my life because it's someone that I've shared these memories with in a weird way without actually directly sharing them with him uh he's just been like hey i had a bad day in high school or college well there's a mavs game on dirk's playing i love watching dirk i'll feel better so i wouldn't say i personally know dirk but i think yeah dirk and i or i've met i dirk has known who i am at least for right. about i guess probably 10 years or so and so just him like the way he just like treated me throughout his whole career like whenever i would go to the games with my dad as a little kid you know even after a horrible loss 
I would, Dirk would be standing out there after the game, and he would, you know, he would still give me the time of day. He would still give everyone the time of day. I mean, Dirk would if if the Mavs didn't have like the best PR team in the world, which they do, Dirk would sit there for hours signing autographs because that's just the kind of person he is, and he just like he he wants to please everybody, and he really does. And it's just, it's so special, and I don't think that'll ever come again in Dallas. Right, and Dirk, I think, is the embodiment of, like, for people like us, when we say, oh, if I were a professional athlete and I was that rich and I was that famous and I was that talented, I would act like, like, that's how I would be. Like, that's, we see ourselves like, I would be like Dirk. You say that. But, yeah, but no, we wouldn't because we're all jerks. No chance. Yeah, like, we would be, we would be corrupted by the fame or the money because we're all human and. It's weird. Dirk is like the one guy that it, he just rises above that. And I've always like the older I've gotten, you know, not that old yet, but the, as I've grown older, the one thing I've realized is like it's really hard to worship a lot of your heroes, whether it's in sports or entertainment. Yeah, they like, always tell you to not meet your heroes because right, they're human. Right. We are all we all have our our issues, and I'm sure you know Dirk deep down has some because he's just like us. But the way he puts his best foot forward and the way he tries to genuinely be the best person he can be, whether it's on the basketball court or not, is just one of the more inspiring things I've seen, you know, growing up. There's no doubt. And um, so that retirement ceremony was pretty incredible, right? Yes. How are they going to top that next year? Because obviously his jersey is getting retired. They're going to have a statue unveiling at some point. Well, I mean, what do, what can the maps possibly have in store? I don't know. I don't think they could top it. The only way they could top it is if they can get the last guy on dirt. Get MJ. List. Get yeah. MJ to come. Yeah, I think that's it. But uh, that's probably unlikely. But yeah, I feel like they kind of uh, emptied the chamber uh, last week. That was just incredible. Now, the way I've seen it, I, I've been thinking this for a couple of years. When Dirk retires, which he is now, I thought he's. I think he's going to go pretty off the grid and get away from basketball for at least six months to a year. So I, I don't know what involvement he'll have in the Mavericks but I wonder if he will have some recruitment power maybe not recruitment power but just talking to guys about free agency trying to get guys to come to the Mavs and still being active in that capacity or do you do you think that he'll be active in in a basketball capacity in any way um I don't know if it'll be this summer because I think he's gonna definitely he might just decompress yeah I think that's the way he talked about it at least I mean he certainly could but the way he Hinted at it in his post-game pressers after uh, the home game and then the Spurs game. He definitely made it sound like for the next year, this is going to be about him not being part of basketball. Yeah. It's going to be him being a dad. Being with his kids. Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, they, you know, he, he reiterated uh, multiple times how they sacrificed for him, and now it's time for him to return the favor and make up for any lost time. You know, his family is obviously overseas, so like that, like he's gonna take that time to to reconnect as much as he can. I I also was thinking about this. How good do his kids have it in oh, Dallas? Oh man, are you kidding me? Their na- last name is Nowitzki. Right, that's so crazy to think about, though. I know it. No, it is. It's great. That's what I was thinking about. I'm like these kids. I don't think they re- fully grasp that their dad is the greatest athlete in Dallas history. Right, and it's so crazy for us growing up, like thinking when this was going to end that that's how it would be yes exactly. like to think that the name the last name Nowitzki is going to be synonymous with dallas for like all ever time. That's ever crazy uh but yeah i think that's a good point you bring i never really think about him being kind of like an ambassador to yeah. for the mavs and, and kind of preach what he thinks the mavericks can bring to a free agent if they sign with dallas and you know what the Mavericks did for his career, and and maybe he could be a good pitchman for that. I never really thought about that, but that would be a good role for him if he if he's up for it. That's the role I think, or an ambassador role, will he'll end up being in. 
Because I don't think he'll he'll want to be a GM. I don't think he'll want to be a coach, a scout. I don't think he'll want to do any of that. I think that ambassador role would be a perfect role for him. Uh, he wouldn't have to do it full time, you know. He could still spend time with his kids. Wouldn't have to travel as much. So I think that's the role Dirk will end up being in. But you're right. I don't think it'll be a, it'll be in the immediate future. Yeah, I think he'll, he'll probably want to hang out a little bit and do like what he did uh, a couple nights ago, going to the Stars game, just being a normal dude now, now, for the most part. So were you? Did you? Uh, were you at the game? I wasn't at the game, but I was watching uh, here. Okay, so I was town. I was up in the press box covering uh, covering the game and just the way. Because I had heard a rumor from Sars uh, front office that he was there, and as soon as Jeff K, the Stars PA announcer, goes, "Ladies and gentlemen," I was like, "Oh yeah, this is about to get good." <laughs> and he just and he butchered his name. He goes, "Dirk Nowinski." He butchered Ooh. his name so bad. I don't know how you can do that after 21 years. But anyways, <laughs> the the crowd went crazy, and that like invigorated the crowd. That got the crowd going like really good, and it was a great crowd at the AAC. Side note, but uh. Yeah, no, just Dirk is going to be a legend for the rest of his life. I think just about anywhere he goes, let alone Dallas. Yeah, think about the reactions he gets at every, like, you know, at Rangers games and yeah. at that Stars game. And it goes back to me thinking about how crazy it is that of all the Dallas sports legends from all of the Cowboys, from Nolan Ryan at the Rangers. Dirk and trumps Pub, them. Yes, and it's crazy. And maybe it might be our bias from our age, but I don't necessarily think so. And I was thinking about it some more, like, He's been around for 21 of my 30 years. He's been around for 21 of your 23 years. But he's also been around for 21 of the 39 Mavericks. Like, he has been... It's ridiculous. He is more than half of the Dallas Mavericks franchise. And I'm sure if you put that number to, like, wins and winning seasons and playoff wins, like, he is the franchise. And you think about where the franchise was in 1998. If he isn't as good as he is, what are the Dallas Mavericks in 2019 if oh, man. Did not hit on Dirk, like considering where they were in the nineties. I mean, during the two thousands, like I think Dirk single handedly carried this franchise. Yeah, for I sure. mean, they had you know they obviously had the great year in oh six oh seven where they won sixty seven. They went to the finals the year before that, but outside, I mean, Dirk had it's it's cliche to say Dirk did not have much help. No, I think I can't even remember off the top of my head. It's not a long list of all stars. He's uh, I know with. Josh Howard was an all star that, that was, one year, and that was injury replacement, right? Kid was injury replacement in the 2011 20, game in here. In, 2010, 2010. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the one that was here, yes. right, in Dallas. Yep. So, outside, I don't think he's pl I played with a guy I don't remember. Uh, that made the All-Star team the same year. Finley? Uh, I think Finley. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe they didn't do it in the same year, but I know. Nash. Probably Nash. Yeah. But but long story short, yeah. hadn't had much help during his career. Single-handedly carried this mass franchise. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know where this franchise would be. Obviously, Dallas is such a big market. It's not like the Mavericks would have like necessarily moved away, but like the way that they're in the public consciousness right now would certainly be. They might be like a bottom-rung professional team in this market when you consider the Cowboys and then the inherent love of the Rangers because of baseball in Texas. So it's just crazy. It, it's a damn hard market to impress people in. Yes, because everyone is so pessimistic because they. We do have the Cowboys, and they've been 500 for the last 23 years. <laughs> yeah. My whole life, they've been 500. Oh my gosh, I isn't that crazy? That. Yeah, that is. Um, and Dirk just Dirk makes everyone happy. Yep, it's just a perfect combination of right place, right time at a city that needed it. You know that there was a moment to embrace a new team, and it's kind of like it's it's really cliche, but it's like a storybook kind of career and it kind of emphasizes the one of a kindness of Dirk. Like when people talk about Luca and obviously you'd be like, 
well, you know, they passed the baton and maybe he'll be here for another 20 years, but he, there will never be another Dirk right. in terms of, you know, you already look at Luca and he's already got the swagger and he's already kind of got that celebrity flair to him. And there's, there's absolutely 100% nothing wrong with that. Like, there's, but they're different. Right. And, you know, just you're never going to get a guy that, when he got drafted, had that kind of self-doubt and kind of turned himself into a superstar like that to carry one team for 21 years. You know, guys that are coming into the league that are as good as they are have known that they're that good since they're 13, 14, 15 years old. Dirk was not that, and I don't. I think we're kind of past that era uh, a little bit. I don't know how many times I can say this, but thank you, Dirk. Yes. It's awesome. Thank you, Dirk. Uh, so that was our Dirk topic, Dirk <laughs> uh, subject topic, whatever you want to call it. So coming out of the break, we'll talk about the, the NBA playoffs, some early free agency, who the Mavs might target, who they might keep, and all that. So that'll be coming back after the break. All right, and we're back. Mavs Moneyball Radio here with uh, Jeff Jeffrey or Jeff either. Christine. I know I said that in Slack, but I will never. I'll probably keep doing that for a very long. Oh, that's time, fine. But uh, we just wrapped up our Dirk segment and gushing over what is the end of a great career. Could have gone another hour. Yeah, we could have talked for two hours about that, but we're moving on. And since the season's over, we're talking what everyone loves to seemingly talk about, which is off-season planning and free agency. Uh, the traffic and like Twitter interactions and all that stuff is never like I could tweet a thousand things about basketball and NBA and irrelevant. Then I, and then when I tweet off season stuff, it's 84 replies and everyone loves playing there, GM. There is no doubt that the off season is more important to NBA fans than the actual season itself. I think so. And I think that goes along. I think I already saw some theories, you know, that NBA ratings, TV ratings were like slightly down and someone theorized they were like, well, you can't like the drama of the games is not matching the it drama doesn't. of the offs. There's no off doubt. The stuff. I mean, this year we're gonna have. I mean, there's one, two, one, two of the top. I think five players in the league are free agents. Right. You don't have that very often. You have a bunch of other free agents. You, I mean, you, the Warriors probably blowing up. You have the Mavs who got KP in a trade and are looking to do some exciting things in free agency. Um, so free agency is always just a super exciting time. And this is a really big one for the Mavs. Huge. Uh, yeah. They they all are, but yes, especially <laughs> yeah. this one. Uh, I think my thing that I've been thinking about, and this went back to even when they had Dennis Smith Jr., was I think they have to hit a balance that's really tricky because you've got Luka and he's still on his rookie deal and he's only just finished up his first season. So obviously you don't want to say, okay, let's push all our chips, like let's spend all big right now and load up because he's still kind of – as great as he is, he's still growing, and you don't want to maybe make investments right now that'll bite you in the butt when Luca is 24 or 25 and they're kind of stuck in, in a trap. But now, as we've seen with these NBA teams, you have to start pitching your star young players right away. Yes. You like, have no choice. Yeah. Like you look at Gordon Hayward and Kevin Love and now Anthony Davis. Like Gordon Hayward, the Jazz did. 99.9% of the things right, except they messed up one thing, which was they offered Hayward that four-year deal instead of, like, the max five-year yes, deal. exactly. And, and he's he gone. gone. Yeah. So, and Anthony Davis is gone. And is he? Well, yeah, now we don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. But it's a mess. Yeah, Either exactly. Way, you wanna, it is a mess. If you want to avoid the mess, you're on the clock from day one that that guy comes into your, into your organization. So, we know the Mavs are going to have about, give or take, about $30 million in cap room. Um, a lot of that's going to have to go to Porzingis, but I assume they can 
sign him and go over the cap, so he'll be last. Yeah. Um, wh- who are some guys that, besides the obvious, besides the Vucevic, the Kemba, um, you know, the Clay and KD, I mean, who like are, who are here. Yes. Yeah. who are some guys that you like that you think could fit well here? Yeah, well, if you're following me on Twitter, you know that the... My, Throw out your Twitter handle for the people. Oh, Bowman55. Bowman55, there you go. Very important uh, is Twitter. But uh, it's no surprise and no secret, I'm all in on Patrick Beverly. Ooh, like um, that one. Yeah, I, uh, I've been swung on him, I think, the last couple months. Uh, I did some re- like very surface-level research, and I've always known that he's a good shooter, but his shooting numbers are way better than you might think of like when you watch him as a player. He's well over five attempts per game over the last couple of years and right at 39, 40%. Um, he's a fit, he is what I think is the prototypical fit next to Luca in terms of what you want out of a point guard. Absolutely. I don't think you could create like a player in 2K. Like That's the only way you can make maybe a better fit because he is a point guard that doesn't necessarily need the ball all the time. Right. He can hit spot up threes around Luca and he can guard ones and twos at a very high level. And that is exactly what you need next to Luca. You need someone. He's not going to guard ones and twos. He's going to guard threes and fours, and that's never going to. He's going to guard the least athletic player on the court. Right. He's the star player, and and he will improve on defense, but he is not going to be your lockdown guy. And you need someone that is okay with not running, you know, twenty pick and rolls a night. But you need someone who could do it. You know, if they're swung the ball and the defense is overloading, you need someone that can hit spot up threes. You really have to build around Luca like you build around LeBron. Except for what the Lakers did, sure, no, or absolutely. Like the Heat and what the the first round of the Cavs. No, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. Beverly was really high on my list, um, but there's kind of a little incident that happened here yeah. earlier in the year with uh, Mr. Don Nobler that I don't know if that'll affect things or not, but not great. That really pissed me off when that happened. I was like, he's a free agent. That's who I want. Uh, but hopefully, you know, I think they suspended him for the rest of the year after yes. that. So yep. they obviously took Beverly's side and and corroborated his story so hopefully that like helps and uh you know he's a guy that hasn't made a lot of money in his career yet because he was you know he was an undrafted guy who came from overseas after playing overseas and so this is probably his best chance at making some money because he is get i think he is right at 30 or he's nearing 30 i can't remember off the top of my head but you know he's right at that Around age that. range where you know he's obviously not going to get another big multi-year deal after this one so my theory is with these kind of guys, while all the stars are doing their meetings, like when, when Clay and Kemba and KD and Kyrie, as long as it's already not predetermined where they're going, I, I have, it might be. Can I get yeah. side note real fast? Yeah. I think it is literally all set in stone right now. For I think, New York? Yes. I think KD and Kyrie know exactly what they're doing right now. I, I buy that. Kind of like what like LeBron and Bosh and Wade kind of knew before the right. season. Right. I mean, it's... The a- agents talk all the time, and I think it, KD and Kyrie don't even have to do any of the work. They just get their agents to do all of it. So I think all that's wrapped up. Yeah, I would not I would not be surprised if it is 12.30 midnight on the first night yeah. and we see the, the, the story come out for sure. Absolutely. So, yes, Pat Beverly, one of the other guys, another guy I like who's been actually pretty – I mean, he's been talked about a lot. Unlikely, but, man, I would love Chris Middleton as a Dallas Maverick. Yeah. Love Chris Middleton. Yeah. I probably put him in the like, even though people might not think of it uh, right off the top of their heads, but I almost put him in that Clay Kemba in range the tier of, one like, of like unreal, like almost unrealistic options. Even though, like you said, I'm totally in love with him because he would be 
almost another perfect, like Beverly, just a perfect fit next to Luca and what they're trying to build. It's, I mean, it's, they can go in so many different ways here. Cause I mean, Rick, Rick said in earlier this year, he thinks, he thinks of KP as a four on offense and a five on defense, but that can all change. KP can be a four or five on either offense or defense. So the Mavs have some versatility, especially with Luca, who's positionless. They can really go after whoever they want as long as they think it'll fit well. They have options. Yeah, and I think the biggest needs for them right now is, like I said earlier, you know, they need to build this team like they like teams built around LeBron. Shooters. Yes, yeah, shooters. God, and, you need shooters. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously after the All-Star break, winning was not the number one priority for the Mavericks, <laughs> but – when people talk about Luca's decline in the second half compared to his hot start, I think a lot of it is his assist numbers dropped because he had to do Mavs, so much. And Mavs were they were missing open shots. Yeah. Like you look at what Dorian Finney-Smith was shooting post All Star break. Really, since December, his shooting fell off a cliff, and uh, Maxi had a little bit of a slump before he picked it back up. Uh, Dwight's shooting was pretty rel- you know, revolutionary, but I don't know how much you can buy into that for next year. Uh, and then outside of that, you know, Hardaway Jr. B- before he went down wasn't really making shots. Uh, Brunson was, but he's kind of he was a little bit inconsistent as a rookie. You know, Harris isn't really known as a shooter. They really need guys that aren't just like good shooters, but are like proven credible shooters that when Luca has it going, that they will either stick to them to give Luca some better driving lanes, or you know that they'll be able to knock down the shots off the extra attention. Now, I don't know if he can do anything else on the court, but my boy Ryan Brokoff can light it up from three. And I would be interested to see what he would do with some rotation minutes. Yeah, uh, that's been a kind of a question mark uh, as after the trades. We were wondering if he was going to get a bigger role. And he was still a little bit inconsistent coming off in terms of minutes. You yeah, know, his sure. play was yeah, pretty, absolutely. pretty solid all the way through. And for me, obviously, I'm not, you know, I'm not an insider or know anything about what Rick Carlisle or the coaching staff is thinking. But my guess is with Brokoff is he must be like as good a shooter he is. Where is like the deficiencies coming from in practice that Rick can't trust him to be on the floor? Sure. So I wonder if we don't know that maybe he can't handle more minutes because defensively he wouldn't hold up. Or I, I, and I think that's like what that. it is. I just I don't think he's strong enough. I don't think he's fast enough to be able to guard NBA guards because he is a guard in the NBA. Right. And, you know, maybe we I wish we could have seen a little bit more of him toward the end of the year just to kind of just to confirm. But maybe the Mavs kind of already know that. But they I would assume he'll be back next year as the end of the bench guy because that's kind of what you use under the bench. Because why not? That's right. Uh, but yeah, Middleton, I love going back to who they should target. I would like, that would be like a Chandler Parsons level, like flipping out. Like, how did they get this guy? I know that Chandler Parsons is my like boy. A dirty CP. word. God yeah. bless you, buddy. <laughs> I know that's like a dirty word to say. Side note, he still gets booed. Yeah, they, for what reason? I know. What, like he hasn't done anything. I can understand maybe the first game, the first season, the first couple of games back. Cause that's kind of fun to do, but like, like he wasn't a bad guy he didn't leave the franchise under bad terms like like lamar odom i mean it wasn't yeah or rondo or yeah it wasn't like that kind of situation i mean and he was good when he was was, right he just was never healthy and that it's very unfortunate yes it's not it's it's science's fault yeah so all right so outside of that um i would say next on my list that is also probably unrealistic but is malcolm brogdon from milwaukee restricted right right so that's tough and uh, especially with Milwaukee, you know, we just talked about how teams are on the clock to retain their stars. 
ASAP. Well, Milwaukee is definitely on the clock with Giannis. Two years and counting. And if you think about the great year they're having, if I'm ownership in Milwaukee, and like, we have to keep this team as long as we can. Like, I don't care how much we have to pay because if we don't pay it, you can't risk him walking or, or taking it as a slight. And especially with uh, Brogdon, like, he's kind of developed. I know Brogdon hasn't been there as long as Giannis, but they're both young guys that kind of got better together. Absolutely. Because of each other, you know, Brogdon is the player he is right now because of how good Giannis has been as a as a playmaker and Bro- the attention he, he gets. Didn't Brogdon end up winning Rookie of the Year his rookie year? Uh, I don't. Or close to it. I know he made All Rookie. That it might have been All Rookie. That, was that the year Michael Carter Williams won Rookie of the Year? I'd, oh my gosh, Michael Carter Williams. I, there's so many of <laughs> them that are just I do remember gone off into he the was, abyss. He was a contender because that was such a down rookie year. Right but now, you look at it now, and it's you know he's such a solid like. He's such a solid role guy to fit in around the stars that you have, and the Maps have two stars with Luca and KP. So and that's it, another big, like, just kind of thinking big picture. You know, before this season, the whole thing was like they need to get the star, they need to get the guys. Now they kind of have them. they they have those. So now they need to try to get away from what they've been doing the last couple of summers, which is try to get in the room for these big meetings with these big free agent guys. And I think with guys like Beverly and maybe even Brogdon. If you go after these guys while teams are meeting with KD, teams are meeting with Kyrie, if they are, or Kemba, or Clay, you can sign these guys really fast. Like remember sure. when Aminu was on the Mavs? Yeah, it was like twelve oh five a.m. Well, the watch tweet comes out. Portland's got to deal with him. Because I mean, Portland was on his doorstep and said, "Don't wait. Like, don't wait for the Mavs to figure exactly. out what they're doing with their meeting. Here is a four year deal." Good for him too. Made right. twenty eight million dollars on right. that deal. And also the the one last year that annoyed me was Doug McDermott. Yeah. Uh, he got three years, twenty one million. He signed like it, like you said at twelve oh five. The Mavs renounced his rights because I think they were trying to. It was for DeAndre purposes. Yeah, for DeAndre purposes, they had to renounce his rights. And there goes Doug McDermott. The first thirty minutes of free agency, and I was like, what the hell? I I mean, I thought McDermott could have fit great here, but yeah, here we are. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about the. The summer last year, they lost Doug, Yogi, and, um, oh my gosh, who am I leaving off? Seth. Yeah. And that's three really good shooters, and two of them are on playoff or in rotations on playoff teams, and the other one was in the rotation of a 39-win team. Uh, it's tough to play, like, you know, going back and second-guessing because at the time, the Mavericks, you didn't know necessarily where the, the Mavericks were going to have two stars in Luka and KP at the time, but you did know you had Luka, and... I would have hoped that they would have kept maybe one or two of those guys because they knew that they would need shooting around Luca. They, but, I mean, they had a deal with Yogi. Yeah, that was weird. And Seth is weird too. Like, I don't think they could have brought Seth back. I, I think Seth stuff. wanted to be here, but yeah, I don't think they could have brought him back. Yeah. Um, who's to say the Mavs aren't going to get three stars this year when with in the uh, if they win that draft lottery? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not even. I'm trying to like not think about that. Me too. I don't want it because to I, be don't, I don't. I don't want to get my hopes up. Right. Uh, that would be insane. Uh, obviously, we we can touch on this real yeah. quick because you you can probably explain this better than I can. How do you think Zion would fit in an offense like this? I've seen some national writers that are actually kind of that would be worried because it would be maybe too many mouths to feed. But judging, I I'm not a college expert. I do not watch enough balls. A lot of these other guys that break down the draft do. But just from what I've seen from Zion, he does not. He seems to have a really good temperament for coming into a situation with other stars. Uh, the way he speaks after after interviews, the way he kind of gives his presence on the court, he's obviously a star and he, he knows it, but 
he seems to be very much in it for the team. You know, when they asked him about when he got hurt, like, did you ever consider not coming back because you wanted to protect your status? He's like, no, I couldn't do that to my guys. And as much as that might hurt me as someone that's like, hey, you guys got to get paid. Don't get hurt. Like, that's an awesome quality to have in a teammate. And I would hope that that would kind of translate to him meshing. And then the thing with Zion is, you know, he's not necessarily a, like, he's not going to be running pick and rolls and taking away ball handling possessions from Luca. Right. He could easily fit in as a guy running on the break and finishing off of what Luca does. and With his head at the top of the backboard. Yeah. Like, (laughs) as much as people want to say, like, there's not enough mouths to feed if you had three guys like that that all want shots. You can figure that one out. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like the heat thing where the talent will eventually win over as long as you surround them with, you know, quality role players that, that fit well. I dream about it every day. And the I, Mavs are due for some They're due, work. man. In the history of the Mavs, never had an improvement in lottery position. Right, so why not now? Why not? But here's my question. Obviously, keeping on this with the draft, Zion is obvious. But if they're in the two to five range, are you in a trade it or keep it? I, I think I'm in a trade it situation. All right. Maybe... It's hard because I like R.J. Barrett. I like Cam Reddish. But I think if you trade that pick and you can get an established guy, an established veteran who can score, get you 15-16, who can guard people, I think you have to trade that because I think you're looking. At this point, I think the rebuild has been accelerated so much to the point where you are now looking for for winning veteran pieces. And that's why I would lean towards trading it. If they ended up with R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, I'd be okay with that but I think they'd be better served finding a veteran guy. Yeah, I could I could buy that. I think my pick, like if they had the two through five, I would be really hoping for Culver from Tech because I think he, I like him, but I think there's flaws. Yeah, I, 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 his shooting is probably he needs to prove it with his shooting. Yeah. I think. Um, but that's just my where my headspace. I think be. I actually like DeAndre Hunter more. That's a good. Hey, he had a great uh, championship game. Yeah, he looked great, and he's also in that mold of kind of what you need to surround Luka guy. with. Yeah, yes. and a shooter, guy that can play off Luka. Uh, I think the benefit of if – I think I'd fall on keeping it, but I wouldn't be mad if they traded it. I could, I would totally understand. I think the one benefit of keeping it would be you get that cheap role player for four years that is good, you know, a good sure. player, and you still have that cap room to maybe get someone else. So it would be almost like you could make two big rotation – like you can get two big starters, you know, with that if you keep there's something to be said for that, man. July 1st, just around the corner. What are we? Two and a half yeah, months? Yeah. Just around the corner. Draft lottery in, in about a draft is in a month or a month or so, a month and a half. So, yeah. It's all coming fast. It's all coming 100 miles an hour. Um, but let's talk about what's happening right now in the NBA, round one of the playoffs. Some pretty great series going on right now. Uh, behind us, we have Philly and Brooklyn. Philly up 10 at the moment. If you're listening to this at uh, on Tuesday. <laughs> live updates. Yes, live updates. Um. It's been a pretty intriguing playoff so far. A lot of different storylines. You have the Warriors blowing the 31-point lead. You have Dame completely embarrassing Russell Westbrook in the Thunder. Uh, you have this series with Embiid. A lot, just, just a lot of drama going on right now. Yeah, it's been a pretty fun series. I, I was looking at the matchups before it started, and I was worried that we wouldn't get a lot of competitive series. I think we have, um, except <laughs> barring what I think a lot of people thought would be the mo- one of the most competitive, the Jazz and Thunder. Oh, man. That has been You trash. mean Jazz Rockets. What? Jazz Rockets. Yeah, jazz, yeah oh, what did I say? Jazz Thunder? Thunder? Yeah, oh, my bad. No, you're good. Uh, oh, yeah, my gosh. Jazz Rockets. That's, um, that's almost killed, like, my mojo. Like, I was watching that game, the game two the other night, and that was 
that was terrible but there's been some other fun games like uh that legitimately that orlando toronto game one was one of the most fun games i've watched this i year. didn't get to see that one but it was uh, i heard it was good it was just constant like back and forth big shots trading i think toronto is kind of like realized oh we can't sleepwalk through this again and they're I think they're probably going to roll for the rest of the series but that was just a really fun game and as someone that is kind of like when I was in college and high school and I got, I had so much free time to watch all the national games all year. And as I've gotten older and now I'm focusing more on Mavs, I don't get to watch as many games outside of Mavs as I want to. It's been fun to see these playoff games and seeing some really fun matchups. And like you said, just all the drama. It's been, it's been great. The NBA is just, I mean, there's never a day where something crazy doesn't happen. I know. Um, In that jazz rocket series, I want to touch on this real fast. I mean, everyone's seen this video of how, how hard, the Jazz tried to funnel Harden into Rudy Gobert. How as soon as Harden crossed half court, uh, Ricky Rubio got behind him and let Harden just creep up on the three point line, and everyone like all five collapsed into the lane, and then Harden just passed it out for a wide open three. That's one of the craziest defensive strategies I think I've ever seen. It's insane, and I don't know why they're still doing it because it is not working, and it was never really going to work for them. I think it wasn't. It, they started doing it because that's what Milwaukee did in a game where they where they beat uh, the Rockets and they the, di- had hard the on difference the is that Milwaukee has athletes. Yes, they have Giannis and Middleton and Eric Bledsoe and Brogdon, Brogdon, yeah. and and then Brook Lopez when he's just by the rim is still a presence. And ja- the Jazz have Gobert and everyone else is kind of like okay, yeah. like not terrible. Like right. you wouldn't say that guy is a bum defender, but not they can't execute that stretch. That's just insane. Like. The way, like, they're treating James Harden like he can't dribble right hand. Like, have you watched this guy? Like, you're giving him free lane. Like, it's not like it's – this isn't like high school where guys don't have Just, off hands. Exactly. You know, like, he's James Harden. He's awesome. Like, you got to you gotta mix it up and you got to try – I think you got to work with what got you there. And I don't know. The Jazz just seem like they're just a very much a regular season team. So, I'm not sure about that. But – uh, any other series that you've been interested in uh, specifically? Uh, the Portland OKC series has just been absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Um, Damian Lillard took it to the Thunder the other night, and I think the Thunder are going to come back. They're going back to OKC here for two, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's 2-0. Um, I think OKC is going to come back. They're going to win a game, maybe two here, and make it an interesting series because I think that – and while I'm the – I'm – a public Russell Westbrook hater. Um, <laughs> they're going to come back. It's yeah. the NBA. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting series because there's a lot of there's a lot of stakes in that series when you consider what Portland's done in the playoffs the last. Couple yeah, of years. they got and swept what, last year, and then what OKC has done since KD's left. They haven't. I don't think they've made it. They don't want. I don't think they've won a series since since KD has left, and uh, they haven't looked great in any of those those playoffs series losses, especially last year. You know, the Jazz were not. They were favored over the Jazz, and they just looked terrible. And you think about, you know, th- these are two teams that are kind of at a crossroads. Like, whichever one loses, there are some giant questions this offseason. Some about huge questions that to need do. to be asked. Yeah, and when you're, if you're looking at it as a Mavs fan, there's opportunity. You know, thinking about, you know, when you look at the playoff teams in the West right now, and when you're trying to think, well, if the Mavs want to be a contender next year for the playoffs, who are they going to, you know, try to sneak in for? And, you know, if Portland would have had a bad first-round series, you might think that they might start thinking about blowing it up. And then I don't know what OKC can do since they're kind of locked into the Paul George, Westbrook, Stephen Adams trio. 
I, you know, you look and see what kind of drastic changes they can make. And it's been kind of interesting watching it from the perspective of a Mavs fan and like, who could the Mavs like overtake in these eight next year? Cause obviously someone's got to go if they want to make the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, so it's almost like I'm rooting for a lot of, a lot of disaster for these Western conference teams. It's interesting because what the Mavs, they won 33 this year. Right. Right. And I believe what did the, the eight seed had 43, maybe 44. I think last year it was like 47. Yeah, it's um, a, it's always in the in the West. You at least you need to be in the forty five range to have a chance. Yeah, so I think that's where that's where they need to be. And I think if they're in the forty five range, they'll have a chance. They'll perhaps knock one of these lower seated teams out. But it's going to be tough. I mean, people are. I don't think I I like to think like as a Mavs fan, but as anal as an analyst, I'm not saying I'm an analyst by any means, <laughs> but analyzing it. It's going to be harder than it looks for the Mavs to get to the playoffs because they are in the Western Conference. Right. And look at um, two really good examples of the last couple of years have been Denver and Minnesota, two teams that, you know, when Minnesota made the trade for Jimmy Butler, yeah. they, everyone thought, okay, now they're going to take the leap, the post-Kevin uh, uh, Love leap, and they made one series and that's it. And now you're like, where do they go from here? And then the Nuggets, how many years with Jokic uh, – establishing himself as one of the best players in the NBA. He's so it, good. Yeah, and it, but you know, you think they didn't they didn't make it last year, they didn't make it the year before when teams thought maybe this is their year as the Dark right. Horse team and they finally pushed through and made it, but but now they're, that, they're they're in trouble too because right. they're going they're going back I think are, yeah, one, they're 1-1 one, one. One, and they're going back to San Antonio for two. Right. San Antonio doesn't lose at home. Right. And so that's the one thing I would say like to Mavs fans is like, you know, I think a lot of people are penciling them in for the playoffs next year. And I think they should, depending on how the summer, if the summer goes the way I think it could go for them, they sh- I think that they should be a playoff team next year. But it's always hard to kind of break through the wall to get that first appearance. Like it always takes maybe a season or two longer than you think because, you know, young guys, you know, when you're relying on guys that are not even 25 years old yet, there's a lot of volatility there. And I'm I'm sure you've been you've been to a bunch of Mavs games this year. Did you you went to a lot of media? Um, yeah. Watching what these past the past like I want to say like the last ten home games, uh, Porzingis would warm up on the floor next to Luca, and dude, watching just watching Porzingis live, like has me saying things I probably shouldn't say. That like the Western Conference Finals, the Mavs are going to the West. Oh. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. No, I'm kidding. But I was like. Oh my God, these guys are going to be so good. But we haven't seen them in a game setting yet, so we just don't know. Yeah, and Przingis hasn't. His first game, you know, later this year will be the first game he's played in in like eighteen months. So you yeah. don't know until you see it. And when guys are young, you don't. You know, we all like to assume that everything is going to be a linear upward growth. Um, obviously, we should see that from Luca, but you just never know. You know, the, I just like to use the Denver example because you know they were supposed to make the playoffs last year. It didn't happen. They had their breakthrough this year, but uh, that's why this summer I think is really important because they really, they really got to do the LeBron method with Luca, and they really got to get some shooters in here and make his life a little bit easier. Uh, he cannot have like a supporting cast like he had after that trade deadline. <sighs> Obviously, he won't like because the Mavericks traded away four fifths four of the starting lineup, lineup. Right, but you know they have to. They cannot be settled. I don't, you know, obviously I don't think they are, but they can't think Maxie, Dwight, Dorian Finney-Smith, Justin Jackson, those are our shooters that we're going to put next to Luka. They need to find more outside of KP who will play 
so, you know, that's kind of my thought on that. So they won 33 as it was. Had they kept that starting lineup together, they might have won, like, 38. Yeah, I think they were on track and for, like, 38, I think 39. that's, yeah. like, right where everyone thought they were going to be. Right. So I don't, I don't think they – I don't think they – Fell short of expectations no, for this year. No, certainly not. Yeah, you cannot hold it against them for for where they finished. They had to make those moves. They had to bring KP in because KP basically puts a lot of pressure off for this summer because KP is almost like their big free agent. Yeah, absolutely, move. and yeah. that and you know what? And I and I'll I'll defend them, but the fans are going to be mad if the Mavs don't land any of these big fish. Um, they're they're going to say, hey, you know what? We got our big fish in January, right? And, and the, and I think that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, but it is. Mavs fans on Twitter.com will not be happy. <laughs> no. That's why, like, when I say, like, my favorite target this year is Patrick Beverly, it's kind of like, wait, him? Like, he's just like a like, like a That's runner. it? That's what you need around. You got two stars. Obviously, a third would be very would be very nice luxury to have. But really, two is a good base to start, you know, bringing in role guys and guys that can shoot and play defense and not necessarily, you know, you need an all-star right here. But, uh We'll see. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a very interesting summer, especially like you're talking about the drama and intrigue of all the free agents leaving. Um, you know, we don't really know what where everything's gonna shake out, and the landscape of the NBA should be significantly different. You know, by August or September. Super exciting times. Hopefully, the Mavs slip a nice little cold envelope there to Adam Silver, <laughs> or uh, I guess it's a ping pong ball now. You right. find like a little uh, special ping pong ball, and uh, it pulls out, and the Mavs get that number one pick. Right, we need that. We need some good mojo. Uh, Kirk uh, from the site was saying Luca needs to go to the lottery because he's got the Luca. I like that. So we, uh, they're due, like you said, they're due. We do need you, some momentum there. Do you think? Okay, now we can get into that before we yeah. get out of here. Okay. Who who should they send to the lottery? Because uh, I don't think they'll send a player, but I don't know. Maybe. Give me a guy. Give me a guy. I'm with Kirk. I'm going to say Luca. He's got the magic touch. I know it might not be a player, but if it's a player, they got to send him. I'm going Daryl Armstrong. All right, I like that. Daryl Armstrong is the funniest dude that I've ever met around the Mavs, and I think he just brings the good vibes, the good mojo. Send Daryl Armstrong to the lottery. I'm ba- I'm down with that. He was a crucial bench guy for those 06, 07 teams. Absolutely. Uh, unfortunate Redskin fan. Puts about <laughs> 10 sugars in his coffee. Oh, my gosh. But, D.A., we love you. Yeah. Um, so, real quick, last thing before we get out of here. You still have the Warriors winning this, I assume? Yes, I do. I think uh, it's just – it's, like, an inevitable. They're, like, the freaking Borg or from whatever, from Star Trek, whatever that is. Uh, they're they're unstoppable. Yep. That's where I'm at. Uh, so, that will wrap up Mavs Moneyball Episode 4. Josh, thanks so much for joining me. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, this is fun. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, this is great. Let's do it again. Absolutely. So, that is Mavs Moneyball Episode 4. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, right? Yep. Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Google any Play, of those. all your favorite. If you have a podcast app, we are on there. So, like, Mavs Moneyball. Uh, like, rate, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at jcoopjr27. That's all my social media handles. You can find me anywhere. Josh, where can they find you? Uh, at Bowman55, B-O-W-E-M-A-N-5-5. And keep checking out our work on Mavs Moneyball. We've got our podcasts coming up, obviously, that we're posting. And then we've got our player reviews on the site as we review the last season. And then we'll eventually get some free agency previews. No doubt. So that'll wrap it up. Uh, We'll see you guys next week with another episode of Mavs Moneyball Radio.